Roberts Podcast. My name is Tyler Roberts, and welcome back to Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday for the week of March 28th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because this is an overwhelming week. And part of the reason that this is, is I feel like compared to a lot of the Sundays of the church year, this week is just very difficult to deal with. Not only is it that you have Holy Week in and of itself, but this Sunday in particular, because you either have Palm Sunday, the celebration of Jesus going into Jerusalem at the beginning of Holy Week, but then you have Passion Sunday, which goes through the whole passion story of Jesus. And this just leads for a lot of things to be kind of be potentially talked about, potentially go through, lots of things to summarize and go through. And I will try doing it in as short of a way as possible, but it leaves a lot to be desired, to be perfectly honest. And I'm going to definitely suggest if you don't typically read through the readings after I explain them, I'd highly recommend it this week because there is a lot of ground we're going to be covering this week, specifically when we're looking at the gospel texts for both Palms and for the Passion We're talking potentially multiple chapters here we're trying to cover, so please forgive me up front, but I think it's something that's worth trying to talk about, worth trying to summarize, and I think this week that we've actually found something that's going to be an interesting way of looking at this that's going to lead us right up to next Sunday as we all know what next Sunday is. But before we get into that, we have to talk about last week's Twitter question, which was, after you're gone, what's going to be built upon what you've done? And I think this is a great thing to be thinking about, in particular with it being Holy Week, because I think in a lot of ways, that's something that within the human desire, it's something that we do struggle with, is after we're gone, what was this all for? And I think that's one of the things that we have to continue to ask ourselves throughout our life. I think there's a lot of times where we can look at how we're able to treat other people, how we're able to help other people, how we're able to potentially teach other people. There's a lot of things that that way. Living our life as an example is another way. Because I know for myself, there's different people that have passed on before me that I look up to now, even beyond their life, trying to emulate parts of their life. Because it was something that I looked up to. Too. And I think it's something that we as people, it's part of just who we are. That's just naturally part of who we are. And we try to work through that. So here's what I'm going to do for this Sunday. We're going to quickly go through what we would have for the liturgy of the Palms, which is a psalm and two gospel texts, which I'm going to try kind of combining together. Then we're going to have the Liturgy of the Passion, which has more of our traditional first reading psalm, second reading, and again, a very, very long gospel text to potentially work our way through. So let's jump into this. It's going to be a lot, but hang in there with me. So the psalm for the Liturgy of the Palms is Psalm 118, verses 1 and 2, and 19 through 29. 
This is definitely a praise psalm, and it's recognizing the power of what Christ is in our lives, the steadfast love that endures forever, and the psalmist you can just feel is just empowered. And we get a very familiar verse here coming from verse 22 of Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This idea, again, of here— As it's even been rejected, yes, this is what we build upon. It's the key piece. It's the linchpin that holds this whole thing together. And understanding that our success and who we are is through Christ and what Christ did for us. The gospel text then for the Palms will either be Mark chapter 11 verses 1 to 11 or John chapter 12 verses 12 through 16. In Mark's gospel, we get a little bit more introduction where Jesus is coming toward Jerusalem and at Bethany is talking to his disciples on, this is what I need you to go do. Go out ahead of me. You're going to find a colt who's going to be tied by a door. There are going to be people who are going to ask you these things and you're just going to say, the Lord needs it. They're going to hand it over. Then when that happens... It happens exactly the way Jesus explains it. And then the people meet him outside the city and are laying down cloaks and leafy branches on the road for him to process in on. But granted, it does not say palms. It just says other leafy branches. John's text here, we're having that people are took branches of palms, so that's one of your differences, and are saying again, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of Israel, and is being glorified, being on this donkey's colt. And this is again what has been stated. And what we get out of Mark's gospel, I think is actually interesting what the people are chanting. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. So this again, this is a praise, a celebration, a foretaste of the feast to come as something we would potentially say. So there's a lot there, a lot of interesting thing, but especially this week, we have to keep moving. So now we're transitioning into the passion. So the first reading for the passion comes from Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9a. This is understanding that God first is trying to speak through Isaiah at this moment and in that has given us this heart to be able to hear God's word and be able to look at it as a leading sense that we're able to have even early indications of like the Holy Spirit coming through us to be able to talk to other people and understanding that it is our own selves versus what God has created us to be that at times is adversaries that has conflict within ourselves. But it's also this drive to continue to be better at understanding and teaching what God is trying to have us understand. The psalm then for passion is Psalm 31 verses 9 through 16. This goes into a little bit more of understanding probably more of the death and sorrow of what Christ did for us. So understanding the grip of what death does and the separation of that, the distress, the weeping, the terror, that in all that, we still trust God. We still trust God at our lowest moment when we are petrified, understanding that the steadfast love of Christ is what will bring us through. 
and will continue to help lead us toward the light in which we're needing to find at those moments. The second reading is out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. This then is helping us understand what Christ is doing for us. That Christ laid it all out to the point of death. He went as far as humanly possible. And knowing that Christ was willing to empty himself for us. That Christ was able to go to that death. Go to the literal extreme for us. And what that led to. That someone was willing to go on our behalf to that extent is something that we should be able to confess and be able to give thanks and praise to because of that. The gospel text then for Passion is Mark chapter 14 verses 1 through chapter 15 verse 47. Granted, there are some options there on that you can break it up to its Mark chapter 15 verses 1 to 39 and then optionally 40 to 47. But this is the whole Holy Week story going through. And I was in a text study this week. It took us 14 minutes to read this all through. But there's a lot here. There's the woman with the alabaster jar who is cloaking Jesus's feet with ointment and expensive ointment and the ridicule that they're getting from the scribes and stuff that why isn't this money being donated to the poor and Jesus kind of helping them possibly understand that there's a greater cause, a greater conviction and that I'm only with you for so long. Judas, the beginning of him betraying Jesus. We have the whole Monday Thursday story of the, not the washing of the feet, which isn't in Mark's gospel, but the beginning of Holy Communion, to going to Gethsemane, to Jesus begging with God that, do I have to go through this? To Judas then going and turning him over to the different trials and persecutions where the Jews couldn't even kill during the Passover. So it had to get eventually over to the Romans and gets to Pontius Pilate, who again is then like, what has this man done? And offers to have this man go free. And no, they want Jesus of Barabbas or Barabbas then released instead of him and that they want him crucified. And he goes through the the beatings before carrying his cross to go up and to be crucified to the point then where we get to of Joseph of Arimathea asking for the body after it's Jesus has been confirmed as dead to be wrapped and placed in a new tomb. This is just a very deep, intense story and it's worth not getting summarized. It's worth sitting down and reading. And very rarely do I put it that way. But again, it's one of those stories that every time you actually read it and take the time and read it and really try to digest and understand what has happened here, there is something new that you can pull out, something deep in our understanding to help us relate to this story, relate to the humanity of Christ, where I would argue there are moments where you can see Jesus's Holy Spirit speaking and the question of his own humanity then saying, I just said what? And trying to bargain with God the Father. 
on Jesus trying to understand what must I go through, at what point do I really have to, it's a powerful, powerful story. But before we jump into how faith and science comes together on this crazy week, we have to do our shameless plug. Oh, Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, it's such a great resource. There is so much there, so much there. And if you haven't checked it out, it's something I use on a weekly basis to help me out. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I highly recommend it. The other thing I'm actually going to recommend before even getting into how faith and science come together this week is Vanderbilt's Revised Common Lectionary, and I'll attach a link down below. That's the one that I used a little bit this week to kind of help find some additional readings for the Palm and the Passion, not just focusing in on one. So shout outs to Vanderbilt. That was great this week to be able to help with this. lot going on. lot to get into. But first, before we even try to relate these together, I think we need to talk about sharks and climate change. And we've talked about similar type things before, but there's been a recent study that has come out this last week understanding how predators are affecting different sea life, specifically in Australia. So one of the things that they were noticing after major heat waves in Shark Bay, Australia, they did some research on what was the effect on the seagrass there. And the reason that they were looking at that is because this is a very biodiverse area and a lot of sea life is there, plus they have sharks. And so they were looking at when sharks reduced, where there was less sharks in the area, what happened? And what they found was the seagrasses there were mowed down to levels that made it to the point of the ecosystem having trouble ever coming back. Because the top predator was gone, the whole ecosystem changed to the point of not being able to sustain life the way that it had before. And for me, as I read that, it was like, huh, interesting, reassuring what's in the San Colney Almanac by Aldo Leopold, where he talks about thinking like a mountain in one of his chapters, where again, where if elk are overrun and there is no top predator, it makes it harder and erosion and things happen easier. And we've talked about that. And there's been multiple studies talking about as that was one of the compounding factors that was happening at Yellowstone before the reintroduction of wolves into the ecosystem. And we've talked about this multiple times over on Trophic Cascades, where when you release the top-end predator, how it shifts everything. So suddenly things that were smaller because they don't have this top predator can suddenly become the new dominant predator and it has a whole chain effect affecting everything down to the bottom for positive and for negative. For things that essentially it means that the ecosystem has the potential of changing in a way that it never has before fully and it's going to change things moving forward. But this week when I was reading this and thinking about it, I thought there was nothing better to hear that, talking about that, than sharks. Because sharks are to me something that, as a especially a young male boy, were interesting. This top-end predator, this carnivore, this dominant force within its ecosystem. 
But yet, how often we also get scared because what are they going to do? And it's like we forget that just because they have the potential of being a killing machine doesn't mean that necessarily are. It shows yet again that as you're in this great position of privilege in a lot of ways, a shark in a lot of ways in an ecosystem is a privilege, that it's the top end predator also becomes great responsibility to help maintain it. But if you eliminate that, eliminate the fear from an ecosystem, how the ecosystem has trouble containing itself. Because what's happened because of the lack of fear of having a shark, here we are having all the sea life just going to town on the seagrass to the point where then it affects the ecosystem where it makes it harder for it to ever come back. See, the protection that potentially that the sea life would have from a shark, the seagrass itself, its own food, is now gone. And so now it has to move to a new location to find not only food, but also protection. It sounded too eerily similar to this week's text in particular. And that's why we have to talk about both of these. The palms at the beginning of the week that lead to the passion by the end of it. How often we are quick to start laying down palms and our cloaks to praise this champion. But then when we realize what it potentially could mean, the danger, what Jesus has been saying, we have to turn him over. We got to lock him up. This guy's crazy. We can't be talking about this type of change. What do you mean? Crucify, crucify. We take away this ultimate game changer. And if the story ended there, then what? If the story ended there, we're not having this conversation. The ecosystem is bare. The connection between us and God is gone. It becomes a wasteland. It becomes what the previous three years had been becomes nothing. It's moderation. It's the reason that the shark is there is to make sure that the fish don't overeat the seagrass. It's to make sure that in that, it helps balance things out. When I was sent this article, shout out to my sister, She was asking about, this reminded her of a study, and I knew exactly what study it was. You see, in the 1800s, there was a correlation that they found between lynx and hares in the fur trading market and the amount of furs that they were able to bring in to be traded. When there were more hares shortly after the lynx population would increase, then causing the hare population to decrease, which then would cause the lynx population to decrease because there wasn't enough food to maintain them. They were dependent on each other. In a trophic cascade, it's even bigger. It's a chains of our life, life cycles, food chains, like we talk about in food webs as kids. But when we remove the top-end predator, it totally shifts the dynamic. God entered our world through Jesus to change the dynamic. And this text is the tipping point. Us realizing that, yes, it is amazing having God around. And yes, look it, we love having this relationship with Jesus. It's amazing. But when things get difficult, how Our own human flesh makes it so easy for us to turn, so easy for us to forget. Let's just get rid of this. 
See, the scary part of that story was how heat waves can change things and change then what the sharks are doing and where the sharks are and how well are they able to maintain in these warmer climates and us then realizing that, oh crap, if there aren't sharks, the ecosystem's going to suffer. We haven't addressed the thing before that, the warmer weather that we are bringing upon this ecosystem. Because again, if the sharks aren't there, the ecosystem slowly dies, the fish move to another place, and thus it makes it harder for us, and the further out we have to go, and potentially the fish we just lose because they can't make it. This isn't that much different than us. When we try doing everything on our own, we won't make it. We need that relationship with God. We need Jesus in the situation here. Because if this is nothing, if this is just a death, then we can go back to what we were before this, knowing that at some point we are going to die and that ends it. And then we get back to the Twitter question that we started with. What is the legacy you're leaving behind? And is it even worth it then at that point? It's very depressing. And this text in a lot of ways leaves us on a depressing note. But we are the people of hope. I promise when we come back next week, this is going to be a different text. And I promise it's a text of hope, a text of life. But I think this is also a text of helping us understand our humanity. A text helping us show that we have an effect on things. We are not separate from nature. We are part of it. You see, the shark is maybe the top line predator in that ecosystem, but it is not the top line predator in its own ecosystem. We are. And the thing is, is we don't even have to be present to have our presence felt by us affecting the potential climate for that shark and it then deciding not to be part of that ecosystem and changing where it is going to be, causing changes to that whole ecosystem. That's what we do. You see, in a lot of ways, this is like Jesus leaving the building or the old adage, Elvis has left the building. We leave the text this week as Jesus has left the building. And we look at other examples where something of a top-end predator, a top-end a game-changer in an ecosystem leaves the building, and what is left is chaos. What is left is death. What is left is that we are nothing. It's such a weird text to actually talk about here with faith and science because there isn't a natural upper to where we can end. We have the palms of the celebration, the infatuation like we have as kids about sharks and their impact on ecosystem and their teeth and how they keep having teeth throughout their lives and how there can be these killing machines. But we're realizing the impact that they have on an ecosystem and how they literally change it. And they're the ones who kind of help keep things in balance in a lot of ways. But the thing is, is that it's, it's reflecting upon us, realizing that, again, it's us that are having the impact even on sharks. And then when we get beyond that level, when we start getting now to the spiritual level, it's God who has an effect on us. When Jesus leaves the building and suddenly there's this separation, what are we going to do? Are we still acknowledging God's presence there? Are we questioning God's existence and running around and causing havoc and changing things? Are we just in shock? Are we going to do things that leave lasting impressions? Because a lot of times in science and in our humanity, 
We've decided that we needed to eliminate those things and have left lasting impressions. In some cases, we've been able to provide some type of fix later, sometimes not. The final science reference I'll leave for us kind of this week to think about most of the world's extinctions in the last 200 years, but even going back further, a major contributor has been man, has been Homo sapiens. How do we feel about that? And as we're in this week, we're the ones that as human beings, not having yet received the Holy Spirit entirely, kill Jesus. We don't understand the impact of what Jesus is trying to do, just like we don't understand and we feel threatened by top-end predators. And we still do today. What are we going to do about this? Are we going to live our life in fear where we constantly have to put ourselves in these positions of strength? Or are we actually going to let our faith walk out and not walk by fear, but walk by faith and not by sight? And realize that in these low moments, like the psalm from the Passion talks about, that it's the steadfast love of Christ that will get us through these times. Do we really recognize that? Do we really understand this? So the Twitter question this week is in twofold. And really take time with both of these questions. One, have you stopped and honestly contemplated the impact of Jesus' death on your life? Two, Have you stopped and realized the impact of your life on others? And others does not just mean other people. Others means our environment as a whole. Because we all do. We all are loved. That steadfast love of Christ is for all of us. But in this moment of crucifixion with denial from even Jesus' closest friends of Peter, I do not know this man. Even after Jesus telling him he would do that and Peter saying, Oh, not I. Oh, not I. The denial, the betrayal, our own human flesh betraying us to the point when Jesus' flesh gives it up. God's love still prevails. And we'll find out more about that next week. But I think it's one of these things that as we are in the season again of Palm Sunday, of praise and how we're love looking at and acknowledging all these things, but also how quick we are to turn. I think it's something we need to reflect on within our own human communities. I think it's something we need to reflect on in our lives. And I think it's something where we can honestly make an impact beyond the human homo sapiens species. Let this Palm slash Passion Sunday be a change within you. Because I know as we enter Holy Week that I pray that all of us are in a place so that we might be changed moving forward. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.